Welcome to Cooler Heads with your host, Jed Hayford of Mission Peace. This is a show about finding the voice of reason in contentious times, trying to have more reasonable conversation with less venom and division. Now, here's Jed Hayford. Yes, indeed. Greetings and cool salutations, fellow Cooler Heads. Thanks for tuning in and listening. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. This week, we're going to talk about poverty people in need, homelessness, and uh, and giving. What do we do as a society? What do we do about it? What should we do about it? I'm going to have a guest who knows a lot more about this than I do, but I'd love to start with a story, a true story, place that I love down in Honduras, a little place called La Patarique. And there lives a wonderful man. His name is Pastor Omar, one of the greatest men I've ever known. And a long time ago, Pastor Omar was very sick and he kind of made a deal with God and said, if you let me live, I'll do whatever you say. Sure enough, he lived and now he started a, a mission there in La Paterique and takes care of a whole bunch of people. And there's a lot of poverty there and in the surrounding villages. And of course, you have these nice, generous churches up in the United States. And at one point, we, the nice, generous church people, sent Pastor Omar some corn. Said, hey, grow that and feed your people down there. He looked at the corn and he said, this isn't going to grow well here. So he sold it and he bought coffee, coffee plants. And the people at first were like, hey, you can't, you can't eat coffee. But what did he do? He uh, first, actually, he planted bananas, great big leaves, not great yield, actually, especially at first, but great big leaves. They provide shade in the shade of the great big leaves. He planted coffee. Coffee is amazing. It's delicious. He sells the coffee, makes way more money, feeds way more people than he ever could have with, uh, you know, kind of a one-off harvest of corn. The other great thing is he puts the people to work. They work taking care of the banana plants and the coffee plants. And now there's more work for them to do because they get to pick them, dry them, roast them, grind them, package them. It's a lot of contribution that the people get to be involved in. And since he started this program, he was talking to us, and I'll never forget this in my life. When someone dies in La Paterique, as in many places, they parade the coffin, classic wooden coffin. The family will parade it through the town. It's just part of the morning. It's always sad, but the saddest thing was there used to be little tiny coffins. And those would be, of course, of children who had often starved to death prior to all this work that Pastor Omar was doing. And when he came and told us about the program he was doing and how he was able to feed people, and they're actually paying it forward now to to other more uh, impoverished and remote villages, he shook his finger at us and he said, no more little coffins. And I think about that a lot. I think about the generosity that started it. First, there was a move in people's hearts of generosity. I want to do something about this and I want to give and I want to help. But then there was also smart, thoughtful, intentional administration. There was structure, there was program that really made it work so that the gifts uh, multiplied and that good stewardship is a huge part of addressing the problems we're going to talk about today. I just really wanted to give a shout out to Pastor Omar down in Honduras because he's an awesome, awesome man and he continues to do great work and help many people where there's, there's just different poverty uh, down there. Not to say we don't have poverty here in the United States, but it's a different kind of poverty and the opportunities to climb out of that are just so much less and they're scarce compared to to what we have. I'm always thankful. I grew up not rich. Uh, we were 
preacher's family, preacher's kid, four of us boys who ate a lot. And uh, I'll be honest, you know, sometimes we, we couldn't get the top ramen. We had to get like the bottom ramen. I don't recommend it. We ate a lot of stuff that was, you know, uh, inexpensive for feeding young men. I never had to worry about, am I going to go home and home's not there? You know, we've, we've been kicked out or we've been evicted or am I going to go home? My mom's going to make something. She's going to be there and she's going to make something. It's probably going to be delicious, even though we didn't uh, grow up with, with a lot of money, but I have no idea. Yeah. And I want to say this early on, I have no idea what it's really like. Uh, the poverty and the, and the struggles that some people face. I don't want to pretend for one second to know a whole lot about that. It's one of the reasons I have a guest on. But I also I just want to humbly say I don't have the answers to this one. I'm going to offer the best thoughts that I have, just like we do every week in The Reasonable Tip. Right now, buying a home is super competitive. One of the advantages you can have is to get pre-qualified or pre-approved. And if you don't know the difference between those two things and you want to find out, you've got to talk to my friend, Scott Seaman. He is the master of all mortgages. If you need a refinance, I know those rates are starting to creep back up. This is the time to get a hold of Scott. How do you do that? Applywithscott.com. That's his website. Applywithscott.com. You can also call 719-352-7077. This is my friend since third grade. Get a hold of this guy and he will help you apply with scott.com if you're in southern colorado and you've got anything going on with your roof or maybe you're buying a property or selling a property, you need an inspection, you have to call my friends at Aspen Roofing Company, 719-684-0760. These are people I have known my entire life. They are absolutely trustworthy and they will do a great job for you. They do all types of roof, tile, shingles, anything you need. Get a hold of my friends at Aspen Roofing Company, 719-684-0760. So the question for this week's reasonable take, what can we do about problems of of poverty, people in need, homelessness, and should we? I get asked this a lot. What are your thoughts on someone's there with a sign? They look like they're in need. They're asking for something. Should we give those people money? Should we hand them cash? And I get answers that are all over the map. I think everyone's got an opinion about this. When I talk to the professionals, the people who work with these populations and who do this, for, uh, for their profession. They tend to be very compassionate and wise people. And the answer I get, the most common answer is, you should give it to the organization because we know what to do with it. We know how to help individuals who are really in need. We know how to kind of screen out for the scammers. Now, of course, you could be cynical for a moment and say, well, yeah, they just say that because they work for those organizations. But I'm talking about people who know a lot about this subject, and I'll ask my guests as well. People who know a lot about the subject will say, we can do more with it, just like Pastor Omar, uh, we can make sure that people aren't just handed something and it's a Band-Aid because they'll be back tomorrow. That was another thing Pastor Omar was always famous for. He would shake his finger and he'd say, everybody works. Here, everybody works. He would never just hand something out. He'd give them an opportunity to work and earn something. And he would say, look at that. When they when they walk away, look how much straighter they're, they're standing up when they worked and when they contributed. So it's not a matter of to something. And I don't want to ever begrudge somebody. If something stirs in your heart and they, you, hey, I'm going to give to this person or I'm going to help this person or they have a sign and I'm going to give to them. I don't want to be the person saying, hey, don't do that. I just know that the the professionals I've talked to say, hey, we have programs and we have systems and we can build
build things in where it's not just a Band-Aid and also where the people who are just scamming uh, don't take advantage and therefore take from the people who are really in need. And I, I always find that pretty despicable when there are, and there are absolutely those people out there who are flat out just scamming and they're taking advantage of the fact that there are really people in need and that there are really generous people like you and they don't need to do that, but they're doing it because they they choose to. So what are some solutions here? What can we do? First of all, the, I think the first question is, should we? Should we turn a blind eye and say, hey, not my problem? I think we're all guilty of that a little bit or to some degree, but what what's my obligation as a human being? Uh, what's our obligation when we talk about governments? Is government the solution to this or are they just part of uh, many or complex solutions? What I believe is I'm one of those guys who tries to tries to follow Christ, right? And I, I don't say that I'm a follower of Christ. I say I try because I fail often. Listen, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I love Jesus, but I drink a little. But he was pretty unambiguous. Is that a word? He was, uh, he was not in any way unclear about, I just like double negatives today. He was not <laughs> unclear about what we should do when we see people who are poor and people who are in need. And he actually talked a lot about money. Yeah. He, he talked a lot about generosity. He talked a lot about taking care of those who were poor and less fortunate. And famously, he said, if you do this for the least of these, you do it for me. And that was things like give somebody clothes when they're cold, give them food and water when they need it. And the other one was visiting someone in prison. A little research on this tells me that actually a lot of people said, oh, I, when I was in jail, you visited me. What, what, what were a lot of people in jail for? Being poor. Uh, in, in that time, culturally, in that context, if you owed somebody, especially if you were poor and you owed some money, they could just throw you in jail. And it was actually quite common. If you think about there's a there's a parable about forgiveness, same principle. Someone gets thrown in jail because they owe money. And so if you were visiting someone in jail, a lot of times you're visiting someone who's trapped due to and because of poverty. So that's the least of these. Those are the people that he said, hey, do that for, for them. You're doing it for me. So if I call myself one of these followers, then yeah, it's not optional. It's not a suggestion I have to look and, and take care of. I can't turn and turn my head away. I have to look at and take care of people who are in grave need. And that's why I have such respect for people who do this, who it's, it's their vocation, it's their calling, it's their profession. They come along and they find ways to help people get into housing. They come along and they find ways to help people get food and get their needs met. And there's some stats on especially homelessness. It's pretty striking. And especially during COVID, I am told at one point there were stay-at-home orders, quote unquote, and that left over a million people with absolutely nowhere to go. And that, and you can look up some stats on this. I'm not going to quote a bunch of stats to you, but but how, how far away each of us are from being without a home and how often and, and when the odds that in your lifetime that you'll face something like this, even in an incredibly wealthy place place like the United States. So of course, and, and I know you, my listeners, you guys are good people, except for you, that one guy. As good people, you recognize this. We absolutely need to be. And even if I'm selfish, even if I'm only looking out for myself, I could say, oh yeah, it's better to give than to receive. And I actually believe that that's true. That's not just one of those things, but I actually think it's a better position to be in and that you're always blessed as the giver. Even if I'm really selfish and looking out for myself, addressing some of these problems, if we talk about homelessness, if we talk about hunger and, and food insecurity, addressing these problems actually makes it better for everybody. We become a healthier and safer and more productive society if we lift people up. And that is the reasonable, if not convicting and uncomfortable, take. 
We are so blessed to have a new sponsor on Cooler Heads. My friend, fun and hilarious guy, Evan Money. He and his bride have put together a wonderful program called Marriage of Greatness. They will teach you how to restore the fun and the flow of love in your marriage. They make it fun. They make it easy. This uh, includes lessons you can go back to over and over again and monthly access to them. Check out the link in our show notes for a special deal on Evan Money's Marriage of Greatness program. Check out the link. You'll be glad you did. Every week, I love to get your thoughts on the topic in this segment we call The Pulse. Watch the Jed Hafer Facebook page for solicitations of your feedback and comments. We always appreciate your feedback. I might even say it or paraphrase it or butcher it on the air. Let's get right to it. Simone says, lots of giving that I do is out of guilt or to make myself feel better if I'm being honest. Tom says, we need to stop giving fish and teach them how to fish. Programs that enable entitlement do not work. Alan says, many people choose this lifestyle and there is no taking them out of it until it gets miserable enough. Steven says, I always feel good when I give. I never regret the decision or second guess myself that maybe they didn't do with the money what I hoped they would. Most weeks, I get to talk to my friend, Jason Roshek of Coldwell Banker First Choice Realtors. Jason and his team do a fantastic job of finding you properties if you need to buy, if you need to sell. But uh, Jason is also kind of my expert I go to for what the heck is going on out there. And I felt like there was kind of like a breeze, like there was sort of a, a wind, something going on. Jason, what's going on? Yeah, the, so the market, the wind is changing. We were just talking about that as our on our team. Um, my my two of my women that work with me, Amber and Danielle, are like, "Hey, did you know that there are price changes happening in the market? Did you know homes actually stay on the market twenty days now?" So oh, yeah, so the winds are, starting, are changing. Yeah. Yes. What does that mean for people if, if they want to find you? Let's just say they go to jasonroshek.com uh, or and they want to find you. Uh, what are you telling people right now, especially people who are looking to buy? A couple of things we're really trying to do. One, again, make sure we've talked about this before, but doing inspections, pre-inspections. Um, two, make sure that you get a really good agent, like someone on my team. That could be Amber, Danielle, Colleen, or myself. And then the third part is make sure you price it right. Fantastic. And if people want to find you, I know they can go to the website, jasonroshek.com. There's also a phone number that they can call or text. That is, that's 719-237-0394. 719-237-0394 to get a hold of my friend, Jason. You'll be glad you did. So Jason, I believe you know my guest this week, uh, Mr. Lee Patkey. I do. He is an awesome man that helps people with housing. And he's also a great Kiwanis member. Oh, uh, we like those guys. Uh, awesome man, help people with houses and Kiwanis. Man, that's like the trifecta of goodness. It is. Lee is the trifecta. (laughs) Well, so are you, man. It's always a pleasure having you on. Very excited to have my guest this week with me, Mr. Lee Patkey, Executive Director of Grecio Housing. And I know they do fantastic work. I'm going to ask him to tell you all about that. But Lee, welcome to Cooler Heads. Thanks, Jed. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Uh, we're so blessed to have you because I know that you are involved. We've been talking about the issue of people in need and how do we really take good care of them. And that includes things like food. It includes housing. And uh, you're especially involved in, in providing affordable and stable housing for people. I'd love 
love for you to just tell my audience more about what you do. Gresham Housing uh, was established 31 years ago by a former Franciscan nun named Claudia Dietz Rogers, who really had a heart for the community and a heart for, for people in the community, especially around housing stability for individuals, the indigent, for kids and families. And for all of that time, Gresham has been a community housing development organization, which means we develop new affordable housing opportunities for people with modest incomes. We manage those properties and we provide the resident resources that are necessary to maintain that housing once they're in it. So for the last 11 years, I've been executive director of Grescio and doing the same work that I followed Claudia and our previous executive director, Rich Stricker. You know, we've known the importance and the power of housing for many, many years. During an unwelcome time, we have had a welcome new understanding from the community about how important and how fragile our housing can be. In the last mm-hmm. year and a half, many people have been impacted through loss of incomes, the tightening real estate market. And so it uh, affordable housing and saying affordable housing is no longer the stigma. It's accepted in this community that it's an issue that we've got to deal with. Well, it's so important. It, it should be anyway. You and I were talking off the air. We both used to work with, with kids, uh, especially kids that were in the system and in trouble. And the power of having home to go to versus the, the trauma and the disruption and the anxiety caused by not knowing where I'm going to sleep tonight. It's such a powerful force in, in kids' lives. Absolutely. And, you know, we work with providers in the community that are working with kids that are still in the system. Uh, the place in particular, we part of their emancipation program, we've got 12 units that uh, they've got their kids that are emancipating, doing so and graduating in place in Grescio units. But the bridge for me from that previous uh, job history that, that we both worked in to today is really the impact on kids and families. You know, for any issue that is close to your heart, there's a reason it's close to your heart. And for me, uh, in my career for the last 30 years, it's been to to provide a better environment for kids and families. And it's not just having a bed at night, although that's critical. Those people that don't have a place to call home and don't have a place to lay their head at just such an extreme disadvantage in crisis. But it's not only having the bed, but having a home environment that's affordable for their parents, that's supportive, that has social networks and education and neighbors, that really is changing how kids experience the world. And that, more than anything, it's going to play out and it's going to have an impact in how they perform in their life and as citizens for the rest of their life in our community. And we, we made that point earlier. When when we help people, we're helping us all. We're helping all of society be a, a better and safer place. I mean, that shouldn't be our, our only motivation. Hopefully there's some, some compassion there. How aware is the average person of how fragile it may be where, but for the grace of God, there goes me, an illness or something where I could be facing not knowing where I'm going to sleep tonight. Well, I think for most nonprofits would say, and we are a nonprofit, people don't really know about our services until they have an event happen and suddenly they need our services. Mm. But the world became more aware in this last year of how fragile housing is when people don't have a job or if they're just starting a job or if it's an inadequate salary to fully support themselves and a son or daughter has to come home from college and live back in the house again because a starting pay in their profession is not sufficient to sustain them, uh, suddenly it impacts us. It's not just the guy on the street. It's not just the person that's got problems that they've somehow made some decisions that have impacted their life. It's everybody that's starting out. It's when 
we say affordable and people with modest incomes, we're talking about people making 80% or less of the area median income. And just as a statistic, that means 40% of our population are making low incomes. And those are the people that we're trying to provide stability for. And again, it can happen to anybody. Uh, you know, some of us are, are an illness away or a loss of a job away or, you know, some other event away where we hadn't thought about this before. But as you said, now I'm going, wow, what, what is out there in terms of, of services and resources for me? Yeah, that's right. One of our premier programs that we established about six years ago is an eviction prevention program. And eviction prevention is on the news now every day. It's a big but deal. We've been doing it for years. And the Way reason COVID. we did uh, pre-COVID, yeah, it's funny how that's the landmark now, right? Everything is either pre-COVID, mm-hmm. during COVID, or since. So we identified that people were losing their homes and having to move out uh, because of a one-time life crisis event, an illness, a complication of surgery, a divorce, a domestic violence incident. Instability was suddenly part of their lives in their housing. And so we developed a program where there is three months of intensive case management and financial support. It was grant-funded. We did a pilot project, and it showed that uh, it we were able to demonstrate they weren't threatened with homelessness. They had the support, and then were able to get over that one-time life event. You know, they a lot of folks don't have, majority of Americans don't have $1,000 in the bank, can't afford one flat tire without impacting something else. So to be able to provide this new program provided an incredible amount of support for the families that we serve, actually won a statewide award for innovative programming and residential programs called an Eagle Award through Housing Colorado. And that laid out perfectly for when the pandemic happened, funds were available for eviction prevention. And uh, so here we were, Gratia already had a program and a structure in place to be able to distribute those funds. We, I'm so glad you, you mentioned the structure because we, we brought this up earlier. There are a lot of generous people and they want to help. I'm the average person driving down the road and I see somebody with a sign and I see somebody asking for help. And there's this tug on my heart. I want to do something because I'm a, I'm a generous person. I've had professional after professional tell me it's really better to give to the organizations who have structures in place, prevent some problems that are associated with that. But but please give me your thoughts on it because you know about a thousand times more about this than I do. <laughs> you know, those that deal directly with people experiencing homelessness would have a far more articulate answer that I'm going to give you. But by and large, yeah, my experience is the same as yours. They say, don't give on the street corner, give in a way that you know the dollars are going to be administered properly, be used properly. You know, it's a really personal decision when you drive up on those um, on those intersections. And it's hard for everybody to see. And I've had those conversations with my own kids when, they, mm-hmm. when they're young and they ask, boy, dad, does that guy need help? Why are we helping him or why are we not? And um, it's a great conversation with your kids to have, mostly because help comes in many different ways. And if your help is only about a dollar or um, a, a bit of help on that street corner, it's really transactional and you're missing the opportunity to connect with that person as a human being. It's not about providing a dollar or providing a spare Twinkie that you may having have laying in your front seat. I'm glad you also mentioned that because our producer DJ is, is known for always having a spare Twinkie, I think, on his, <laughs> on his front seat. This is an issue of 
the heart. It's an issue of how you live your life, how you administer your funds. Mm. And But yeah, I agree with you. Most professionals will say, give in a way that is accountable so that those dollars can be administered and used wisely. Yes, and not uh, not taken advantage of or misused. You talk about, we, we talk about an admission piece. We talk about being relational rather than transactional. And that's how, that's how I want to be as a parent even. I don't want to just reward you when you're good or punish you when right. you're bad. I want to be a relational being more than just a transactional being. And, and again, that's something that you all do in terms of the, the big word is stability. Uh, go on the website, which I'm going to have you plug here in a second. I think the first word I saw was the word stability. And it's knowing where it's not just, do I have a bed tonight? Like you said, it's, I know where I'm going to go and that's home. And I'm not going to lose that. I don't have to have that insecurity. Uh, if you would talk a little bit about, about how you provide stability for people who are, who are in need. Well, the first and easiest way, and again, it's that transactional way, is stability first comes from having a home, having a place that you can afford. And that's sort of the basis of everything in affordable housing. Property managers across the state and across the country sort of stop there. They mm -hmm. say, okay, we, we've provided an affordable home. Let's get you in. We've got referrals if you need help, and let's be on our way. From the very early days of Gresho Housing and, and Sister Claudia, it was not that way. It was, we are going to help you get into a place that you can afford that is safe, but that is also supportive. Our tagline is stable, safe, and supportive because you can attain that housing, but uncertainty or crisis is sure to hit. We all experience it sure. every year, sometimes every month. And if there's not a network of support around you, uh, that housing, no matter how affordable, can be quickly lost. And so our resident resource program is really designed to be measurable, outcomes-based, and really impacting, in a positive way, families' lives. So our eviction prevention program, literacy programs for kids, our community gardens, all of our network of relationships with other nonprofits in the community. It's so that we know and at least offer those relationships to our residents. Not everybody takes us up on it. We'll have some sort of contact with us outside of that lease contract relationship. That's pretty special that, that the residents are able to access those those resources and that help. And really, we were saying you have to go into an alternate universe to see all the bad stuff that you're preventing with the work right. that you're doing. It's really, you're preventing a lot of really bad stuff from happening. And like you said, it's not just about, do you, do you have a home or not? And they don't have to ever be in that position again. That's right. Those relationships, our neighbors, the family that a lot of our residents don't have, it all builds this sense uh, and this competency called resiliency in people. Mm -hmm. And we've, Jed, you and I have talked about that and we've experienced it working with kids. What is that key when, when you look at someone who's an ex experienced a crisis or an adverse childhood experience and somehow gotten through it when someone else can't? Magic potion called resiliency. Well, how do you build that in? It is through stability. It's the lack of crisis. It's the lack of anxiety. So, you know, at Grecia, we don't insist, we don't have mandatory programs. We don't insist that we have a personal relationship with every resident, but we certainly offer it for anyone who is willing to accept it. I think that's pretty awesome. And, and again, what, 80 plus percent uh, at some point access that. That's wonderful. Yeah. They don't just, you know, show up and say, okay, this is where I live, but they access some of the other great programs that you all have. Well, speaking of that, we got to, we got to do shameless plug. This is a rather shameless promotion. Hey, it worked on me. Me too. I know my listeners <laughs> are going to want to help. They're going to want to contribute. They're going to want to find out more. So where can people uh, find out more, especially 
especially if, if they want to help with your mission? Absolutely. Uh, our website is www.grecio.org. That's G-R-E-C-C-I-O dot O-R-G. Yes. We've Think got... about an Italian menu, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, my, my son's in Italy right now. So I was trying to, it's like, Grecio. They, they, they say it real fast. Grecio. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's a uh, G-R-E-C-C-I-O. We've got go. an active uh, Facebook page and on our website, back to our website that shows our future projects and what we're working on. So you can see not just the good things that we're doing today, but what we're planning for tomorrow. And it's a nonprofit. And so uh, you can you can get love from the, the feds and the state, right? If That's uh, right. It, it builds something more than just that one-time transaction like you talked about. Final words about maybe giving and generosity for people out there who, I, again, I think my listeners tend to be very generous and just, just good people. You know, a lot of them are my friends and they're my people. If I'm on the fence, eh, do you know, do I contribute or do I not? Yeah, I, you know, this is really personal for me and it's a fit with the philosophy of Grecio and our board of directors. And that is, we're not going to go out and do hard sells. We're going to tell you our story. We're going to tell you our impact and, and the outcomes of our work. We're going to hope that it touches your heart. If affordable housing is not your gig, find something that is. Don't just sit back and be isolated. Commit until it starts to hurt and be engaged. Um, and that's the best thing you can do for the community. I uh, I hate when our guests say things better than me. <laughs> and this is just going to be one of those times. Lee Patkey, Grecio Housing. Thank you so much for coming on Cooler Heads. Thank you so much, Jed. Appreciate it. That's Lee. We'll be right back on KPPF. I want to encourage you to stop by mission-peace.org. That's our website for Mission Peace, mission-peace.org, and see all the great stuff that we offer there. Of course, I want to do a few things. I want to thank my guest, Lee Patkey of Grecio Housing for the wonderful work that he is doing along with the great organization. I want to encourage you again to check out their website and check out how you can get involved and help with the cause. And as he said, if it's not that cause, find one. Ladies and gentlemen, you will you will be given a gift when you are generous. I really, really believe that. And I especially encourage you to find organizations that are helping people to be empowered they're not just giving handouts, but they're empowering people to not need them and actually be able to be able to even pay it forward and help others. I want to thank my wonderful sponsors and the people who make this show possible. And I want to plug next week, shameless plug number two. Next week, you're not going to want to miss this. We're going to talk about humor and joking about stuff. And is it okay to joke about stuff? There's a lot of people who tend to uh, spend time getting offended at humor. And is it valuable? Is it useful? Should we do it? I would remind you, as always, that disputes are not the end of the world, that we are not made of glass, that we can handle disagreement with grace and respect. Cooler heads will prevail. Love will win. This has been Cooler Heads with Jed Hafer of Mission Peace, presented by Scott Seaman of applywithscott.com and by Jason Roshek from Coldwell Banker, First Choice Realty, and by Aspen Roofing Company, Inc. Tune in every Saturday at 3 p.m. for Cooler Heads and listen to the podcast on Podbean.